0: I wow. ran up on stage and I went, "Where the fuck are all my badasses at?"
1: Like right? yeah. 75% <laughs> of the audience
0: goes fucking bananas, right? Yeah. And the energy was just insane. And I realized in that moment that I had never shown up as myself.
1: On this episode of The Introverted Iconoclast, I sat down with Donnie Bovine, the original badass success champion. I gotta say, this ranks as one of my all-time favorite interviews for a couple of reasons. First, Donnie and I literally didn't even exchange an email directly before meeting for this interview. But as you'll hear, we got along like we've known each other for years. Secondly, he's fucking real. No bullshit and as genuine as they come. Donnie's wisdom runs deep and is founded on honest experience and grit, something that is sadly far too rare these days. I sincerely hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I did making it. Have fun. Donnie Bovine, how are you, brother?
0: Good, man. Looking forward to hanging out with you, man. It's going to be a fun conversation.
1: Same here, man. Let's hope this thing cooperates this time. We had a little false start, (laughs) but these things happen. The best ones usually do have an issue. For sure. Well, good stuff, man. So, as I was mentioning in the, on, when we got the start a second ago. One of my favorite things about these is I don't know very much about you at all. In fact, uh, the pre-show we just sort of greeted, got a couple of things exchanged. Uh, you know, hey, how's it going? Maybe what's off limits? Can you cuss? And that was it. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. we, we're going in. We're going in cold, man. Cold bore shot right now.
2: Love it. Uh, Love
1: it. So yeah, man. So maybe just yeah. really quick, you know, one of the things that I, I read um, about you, obviously, which I always find fascinating, and to me. The telltale of the individual is, you know, former former Marine uh, and literally how you framed it, which makes me very happy. And a lot of folks identify with this. You came out of that and you're like, what the fuck am I going to do? And you obviously found what you wanted to do or at least continue to chase that down. And the journey has been interesting. Um, so, yeah, I guess a little bit of how that happened. How did you finally find that path as or as quickly or as slowly as you did?
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, it was slow. It was really slow. Um, okay. So i did four in the core and then 20 years straight commission sales and wow
1: which when, was uh, more brutal
0: oh straight commission sales all day long i knew it <laughs> <laughs> uh, i started off in uh, as a door-to-door guy in an hvac company and uh that was tough that was really tough yeah but uh you know to kind of get people through how i got to here you know i i didn't know you could start a business or be an entrepreneur until i was 40 years old and i grew wow. up in a Blue-collar family, you know, dad was a truck driver, mom worked in factories, and you know, dad retired mm-hmm. as a technician for Xerox, working on copiers, and mom retired as receptionist uh, of an eye doctor. So, oh you wow, know, you know, we just yeah. grew up in a household where you went, and you got a job, and you worked for other people. And yeah. um, when I turned forty in 2017, I started hearing guys like Gary Vee and Tim Ferriss and you know, Joe mm-hmm. Rogan and all these people. And they were talking more and more about being doing this thing called being an entrepreneur. And uh, at that point, I was working for an organization called Sandler Training. And supposedly, I became mm-hmm. one of the top sales trainers in the country. I'm not really sure what that means, other than I'm really good at flapping my gums in front of a room. <laughs> it's but, a skill, bro. <laughs> right? Um, well, Sandler's a, a franchise setup. And yeah. as my part of my franchise, I'd picked a partner. And I'd it scaled the business really well. And I was gonna buy him out my business partner. And mm-hmm. Sandler sales training was gonna be like my end all be all right. And me and my former business partner, we know out to dinner and during that dinner, he said something that forever changed my life. And what he said to me was, Donnie, thank God, you're my retirement plan. Hmm. And he said it out of love, man. And I took it out of love because I love working for the guy. He's still a great friend of mine. You know, right. it's just a, a shitty choice of words. And yeah. You know, after that dinner I went and sat in my truck and I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing? You were mm-hmm. literally somebody else's retirement plan. And I looked over my entire journey since the Marine Corps and I'd always been somebody else's retirement plan. Mm. So yeah, 15 it's a rude days awakening. Later, oh dude, beating. But yeah, fifteen yeah. days later, um, I walked away from it all and launched my company Success Champions. Wow. And within twenty four hours, two attorneys showed up on my farm with my non compete papers. I got served. <laughs> And it wasn't my former business partner, it was the corporate office of Sandler that sent him uh, after me because of I represented so much of his book of business that they would lose the royalties off it if I came after it. Mm. Well, I only knew sales, I knew sales training. That's the only thing I knew how to do. Sure. And I called my attorneys up and I'm like, hey, let's figure this out because I don't know what else I'm gonna do if I can't do sales. Mm-hmm. And you know, once I realized it was gonna cost me about a half a million dollars to battle this, right? Uh, I started off as a success coach and to this day, Kareem, I have no idea what the hell a success coach is. <laughs> <I don't laughs> but obviously know it's, some sort of, it's, it's gotta be some sort of business whore, man, because I just said yes to whatever I could find. And so early on, man, I'm yeah. doing graphic design, I'm doing video editing, um, I'm doing some half-ass coaching and I'm yeah. throwing a crap ton of money at this business, trying to make it work, doing everything possible. Well, six months of that goes by, and I probably should have just spent the money on battling the non-compete, but I stood on the mm-hmm. back porch of my farm, looked at my wife, and said, Babe, we're about to lose everything we own. The yeah. mortgage was three months behind. Um, her Jeep got repossessed. Uh, and that Monday morning, she had to go in and cash in her 401k to you know save the farm, mm. get her Jeep out. And the only thing she looked at me and said was, get off your ass and go sell something. And right. And... What I realized is, growing up, dude, I never saw the CEOs of the companies I worked for. Sure. You know, mythical. So, yep, yep. So yeah. these guys were, you know, they were the guys behind the curtains in the corner offices. And the only time I saw them was when I brought in a multi-million dollar account, or I, you know, we lost a multi-million dollar account, something like that. And so I was doing what I thought a CEO did, mm-hmm. and which was behind the scenes, out of sight, not you know, creating things. And when she told me to get off my ass and go sell something, I realized I wasn't the dad. I still didn't know what I was selling, sure. But I started trying to figure it out. Well, I found podcasting in May of 2018 and launched my first show. Five months later, it became number 22 in the world. So now I was sitting That's amazing, next to
2: dude,
0: me, Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, and all the guys. And then in September of 2018, my non-compete came up, and now mm-hmm. I can talk about sales, business development. So, flash forward to where we are now, and I operate three companies, two of the top podcasts in the world, five best-selling books now, and a partridge in a pear tree.
1: That's amazing, so, dude! One hell of a story. Right. Yeah, and it's it's, it all it's comes great back to,
0: to. I yeah. didn't figure it all out until I fucked up enough that I had no choice but to figure <laughs> it
1: out. <laughs> well, that's that pressure is what gets everyone moving, man. It, I think that's eternally sure. the way this goes. You got to be, you got to have that that need, that hunger. Um, good times, what's, there's an old quote, you probably know it, you know, good times breed, weak men, uh, weak men breed.
0: Oh, it's flipping, weak flipping. Times. hard times create, yeah. Take that weak one. Weak times yeah. create strong. Yeah. So there weak times it. create strong men, strong men create weak times or yes. comfortable times, comfortable times create weak men, weak men create strong times. Yeah, you know, exactly.
1: And those cyclical yeah. events, man, you can count on them, right? They're they're sort of eternal. Well, That's a really good story, and it's great to talk to someone that understands this podcasting world as much as you do. And uh, <laughs> did you how did the podcasting thing was that? How did that come about? Was that just another channel of getting your name out there in some ways, or no? Did it was, it was it something uh, else. I,
0: I I totally slipped into it. So, <laughs> um, I was doing a speech in a room of room about four hundred people. I've, right, I've been on stages and stuff for years, and sure. Uh, after the speech, I was exhausted. You know, sometimes when you get off stage, you're just whooped. But you still got to do all the handshaking and talking to people. Well, and this was, you know, in May of 2018. um, And this guy walks up to me. He goes, dude, I love your energy. I love your story. Would you Mm -hmm. come tell it on my podcast? And I'm like, what the hell is a podcast? Right. And he laughs and the people around laugh. And he's he's like, it's kind of like talk radio. So I'll ask you some questions. I'm like, oh, I could do that. So mm-hmm. I freaking, uh, you know, went on a show a couple of days later, the show airs and somebody hears it and reaches out to me after listening to the podcast and they become a client of mine. And I went, mm. wait, I can go on a podcast. I can be a guest and people are going to freaking reach out to me, yeah. hold my beer and watch this shit. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> great, man. Dude, I went nuts and just got on every podcast I could get on, but I didn't launch mine until I was on this interview and it's still out there. I've never told anybody the name of the show, but this mm-hmm. guy freaking reached out and wanted to interview me and I was taking any interview I could get at that point. And, sure. Uh, he uh, sent me 20 questions prior to getting on the show, which was kind of cool because nobody had ever sent me questions before. And when we get on the show, he goes, okay, question one. And I answer question one. He goes, question yeah. two. I answer question two. He goes, question three. And I went, shit, he's just going to keep going down this list. So oh me, me, I start asking him questions and everything. And then he goes, yeah. question four. I went, shit. And he went all the way through 20 questions that way. And I finally oh said, God. dude, if he can have any success doing a podcast, I'm, I'm going to launch my own.
1: You and kill it, so, man. Yeah. yeah. There's no life to that. No. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's cool because, you know, first thing you asked well, not first thing, one of the things you asked me was, hey, man, can I be myself? And, you know, candidly, I'm like, fuck, yeah, of course you could be (laughs) because there's there's no way like I don't script these things, as you can probably tell already. Um, I'm still learning how this all works, frankly. This started because originally I was trying to build the podcast for my company. And then I was like, that's going to be terrible. It's just a giant ad. For and we're a product firm, so it was like that's just no one's gonna buy that we're un- impartial, and then it turned into this <laughs> memoir of my own, and I just took it over myself and ran with it. And so it's become and it's strange how podcasting has exploded now. You know, I had a meet, I had a interview if you checked out some of the episodes of mine with Jordan Harbinger, who you probably know, yep. and uh, we were talking about this explosion, especially with the Rogan thing that happened what four or five months ago. Yep. And how, yep. you know, that just, everyone got to hear what a, they all of a sudden were like, what the fuck is a podcast? And then of course they're like, oh, that's what that is. Have you seen pretty big influx of interest now? Have you seen an influx in your own, you know, customer, I would say customers, maybe yeah. listenership? Yeah.
0: I mean, listenership somewhat, um, influx of podcasts for sure. Yeah. Um, influx of really shitty podcast. Absolutely. No doubt. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to just hear somebody's fucking Zoom conversation. That's what a lot of yeah. podcasters are doing. And, right. you know, the, and it's blown away. I mean, everybody hears Joe Rogan. Yeah. And, you know, Joe has been doing this shit for 14 years. So That's right. He's built the following. He's got the people. So Joe is allowed to get away with a lot of shit, meaning mm-hmm. he can talk about whatever the fuck he wants to talk. He about sets a trend. He, yep, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, if that motherfucker mentions a, a product on his show, millions yeah. of that product are fixing to sell, you know? Yeah. And everybody else is trying to be Joe Rogan. And right. what they don't understand is you can't be Joe. you got to do mm-hmm. your show. you got to do your thing. And mm-hmm. I think like you, most people get into podcasting for one particular reason, and then they mm-hmm. find their show, and that's right. when things start actually working. Um, well said. And Um, Yeah, it's fun to watch people once they get past the evolution, if they stay stay in the game long enough to figure it out.
1: Right. Yeah. And there is that hurdle. Um, You know, there's this drought where you yourself may not have ideas for the content and you start struggling. White blanket paper, know, piece of paper starts staring back at you and you're like, oh, fuck, what am I going to talk about? You know, you run out of your own stories, too. I certainly haven't run out of stories, but I also don't I find it boring to listen to. Like you said, I'm not going to just monologue on. Unless there's some point to it, right? Controversy is interesting, but then if you're doing it for the sake of shock value, that's also ridiculous. And that's sh- people see through that pretty quickly as well. I like, well, and you know, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I was gonna say, the most successful shows in the world are produced shows, you know, right? It's the shows that actually have a complete theme. And, you know, if you look at How I Built This Guy Raz, or you look mm-hmm. at Tim Billy's show, you know, or you yeah. look at he's got a great one. You know, all these shows there there's a purpose to the show as a whole and and it is produced and people just gobble that stuff up because when you go look at like and adam grant's got one of the best you know produced shows in the marketplace i don't always like hmm. his content um right. but he he does some really really cool things and the the point of it all is you're not supposed to like everything he puts out right you now he's you know, exactly his, his opinion point of view but um, most people won't put much thought into a podcast beyond let's get on and and, and just have a generalized conversation without trying to accomplish something. So it's yeah. uh, uh, fascinating to watch the podcast world continue to evolve.
1: Right, exactly. And it's funny because it's old, but now it's new again. And I think yeah. you know it's another medium of getting information out to the world. You know, I don't know what and side of the spectrum you're on. Too
0: right yeah so, that's that's so. what i was getting at
1: that's exactly it that's that's because it's rare now i mean you know not to get political that quickly in the conversation but i'll be damned if it's hard to get fucking good information anywhere anymore and so you have to start hunting for it now yep. and these are these this is a channel i feel is going to be darn it's going to be hard to, to to pin down by regulators i mean it'll happen well,
0: and i but. I I think at this day and age everything's biased, right? You know, yeah. you know everybody's trying to be the the first or have the opinion or whatever. So, right. you know, everything you hear, learn, you got to take with some sort of grain of salt. And the problem is society as a whole doesn't take anything with a grain of salt. They take it as gospel, and that's what yeah. causes all the problems.
1: Well said. No, that's a very very good point. And now it's just it's flagrant. And it's unabashed, and they just don't give a shit. People either, you know, work with it or they don't. And I'll be damned. I mean, in my own company, uh, Donnie, it's crazy. I have such a dichotomy of people: the ones that are absolutely okay. hook, line, and sinker, and the ones yep. that are rebels. And I'm not saying I love them any less if they're one side or the other because they're my team, they're my crew. But man, it's bizarre. It's biz- it's the people yeah. I wouldn't expect either. Sometimes we
0: we implemented the old school rule in the company: no politics, no no religion, Smart. and no world news. Man, it, it's just <laughs> even inside of a <laughs> right, a, a, yeah. We, and that's when we added in because we Yeah, I, know. I was
1: laughing at that one. Yeah. yeah,
0: you know, um, but but I mean, people they they lose all logic, and you know, back in the day, we might have been able to have better conversations, but now because there's so many keyboard warriors, people have gotten mm-hmm. a lot more bolsters with their phrases and sayings and what they talk about. So, right. Um, and have you caught any? Uh,
1: oh, completely. And have you, have you encountered friction due to your ability to be candid and, you know, you're unapologetic in a good way. I'm finding that to be a positive thing, but have you, have you entered, have you entered? Uh, Only some, to the old, some...
0: old white dudes, the old white Got dudes it. fucking hate me. Right. right. I'll, I'll get a message still. And fucking almost five years of doing this, talking like I talk, acting like I act. Uh, yeah. I still get the old white dude that's like, you know, if you didn't cuss so much, uh, really? you'd do a hell of a lot bigger business. And I'm like, really? Thanks for hmm. letting me know. You're not the type of fucker I'm trying to talk to. You know? <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's funny. You, know, you go read your New York Times or whatever, Wall Street yeah. Journal, and right. you do your old dude thing. And, you, you let us up and comers you know do ours
1: that's funny so you still get people that are full of the advice you never asked for uh yes. coming at you
0: yes always fantastic um and often what i find it's not the successful old white dudes hmm. it's like the guys that never went for it themselves but to make themselves feel good they're gonna fucking mentor yeah. and coach you along the way i'm like dude go make something of yourself yeah. Go actually live life and then come back and, and mentor me once right. you've proven yourself. But, yeah. um, but I mean, kind of going back to the world news type things, that's what most people try to do. They want to be somebody by putting their fucking opinion out there. Um, yeah. and if I make you look small, then I'm a bigger person type thing.
1: Right. People try to take up air up in the room with that and gain yeah. attention. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's very interesting. And so you, you showed me a, you flashed a thing of your book and the cover alone got me intrigued. So I'm curious because it's perfectly sounds like it's exactly what we're talking about <laughs> somewhat. Uh, well, tell me about it. A right. little bit. I'm curious what spawned that.
0: So um, a couple of things is, you know, I didn't know I could start a business till I was 40 for sure. And I, you know, I already said that. But um, mm-hmm. when you go from working for somebody else for 20 years and then you start doing your own business, there's no roadmap. Mm -hmm. There's no how to there's no, you know, playbook. It's you go and try and figure it out. And for me, no, it felt like everybody along my journey was teaching the good stuff. Oh, my God, you know, start a business It's gonna be amazing. You got Mm -hmm. this, you know, go work for yourself, create your own life and everything's felt like it was sunshine and rainbows and for mm-hmm. me building a business is the toughest thing i've ever fucking done in my life it is you know and nobody tells you that you're going to meet yourself along the way because you're going to run out of excuses i mean yeah. when it's your business there's nobody left to fucking blame but yourself right and you know uh, for me what i found probably two years into running the business is as I began to share my fuck ups and screw ups and the things I was doing, you know, I didn't know how to do, but was starting to figure out people wanted to hear more and more about how I was figuring it out. And mm-hmm. so I kept sharing those stories. Well, this book is a collection of my darkest moments in building a business um, to, I mean, in the book is the conversation I have with my wife. We completely wrote out mm. and scripted type so people can read it. And Going from that moment to understanding that I wasn't building a company, I was creating a shitty job for myself. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Flip the mindset over to a CEO. And Mm -hmm. what does the CEO think like? I mean, I I talk about in the book about my drive home when a buddy of mine said, you know, you got to think like a CEO. And I'm like, well, what the fuck does the CEO think? What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. I had no clue. And, you know, so a lot of this book is my pursuit and journey of becoming a CEO and ultimately trying to figure out how do I grow the business and set it up so we can scale and scale. We have, but I mean, um, right. It's that step-by-step raw journey and, uh, of building a business.
1: No doubt. Actually, that's a good segue. I was going to ask you. Um, well, it's a two part question. One, it's interesting. Scale is what I'm going to get to because, so I think I mentioned to you, I built several, several companies, many of which have been, or most of which have been products that I can decouple from myself and then exit the firm. I can sell the company yeah. and I'm free of it, and I make I have a windfall. It's where my wife and I had some great great success back in 2012 and I've been trying to do it ever since this endeavor I'm on now, which is a labor of love, the podcast. And some of this isn't really for me to go make a ton of money. If it works out that way, wonderful, but that's not what I'm chasing here, which is nice. And you can probably, you always feel it when you talk to folks that are doing it because they enjoy it versus the ones that are like, right. I better say everything right. So I can make a you know dollar out of this and <laughs> sponsors going to hear yeah. this shit and fucking back me or some whatever. Right. Um, But I've had people that have been real naysayers like, man, you're going in reverse. You're going into something that doesn't scale. You're building yourself as the brand, which is only so much to go around. And I'm like, that's a really short sighted (laughs) way of looking at it. And I wanted to get your opinion of that because you are the brand and you found a way to scale yourself in in a a certain way here.
0: So, yeah, for sure. I'll explain it to the the way I explain to a lot of people. So so Tony Robbins, you know who he is, right? Of course. Cool. Yeah. What what's Tony Robbins business?
1: um lay person, myself included uh he's, he's a self-help guru he he sells cool. advice yep
0: all right everybody always goes that they're like self-help motivational speaker they're not wrong what they don't mm-hmm. understand is tony has 60 companies to the tune of five billion dollars okay amazing Yep. Mm-hmm. what is tony's job
1: oh now he's obviously running those companies he's the ceo of those firms. Yeah.
0: everybody always yeah. says that tony has one job and that's be the face of the fucking company his job mm-hmm. is to keep Tony Robbins out there so big and loud that it fills all of his conferences, all of his freaking workshops, because all those conferences and workshops funnel and fill all of his 60 companies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. It's a marketing platform. Right. You look at uh, you know, somebody like Gary Vee. I'll ask the same right. question. What's Gary Vee's business? Mm-hmm. And people stumble over that. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Gary V has an ad agency with over eight hundred freaking employees in it, you know. Right. And Gary V's job is to be the face of the company. In this day and age, brand still matters. It just mm-hmm. means personal brand dominates over your product brand. Right. And people still buy Nike over Adidas, you know. McDonald's is probably still the most known brand in the world type of thing. Sure. But I don't care what you're selling. If you're selling to an individual and not just through a website or something else, they're buying you first and Mm -hmm. then getting what you actually sell. Mm -hmm. You know, so the power of that personal brand is, is huge. And think about it, even with your current companies and whatnot, you know, it's all based off the relationships you have with people. They're buying the trust that you're going to be able to deliver what you have because you've established, built that relationship. So personal brand, it's huge. No, and
1: it's astute, it's astute of you for zeroing in on that and and picking, picking, well, not picking it up, but sharing that because that's where I think people are missing the boat. I still come from an old methodology of thinking that a brand is something decoupled from the individual, but you're right. Social media and these types of platforms have an an infer. Let me ask you, how did, when did you pick that up? Was it during that era that you mentioned when you were in sales training? Was it, was it indeed the authenticity of the individual to get the thing sold?
0: it was fascinating, um, and this is not a knock on my old business part. He's still a great, sure. dude, still a great friend of mine. And yeah. but it was during that time where I was working for Sandler that I, you know, started talking more about me versus Sandler training. Mm-hmm. And what I found is more people were interested in learning from me versus learning the Sandler methodology right and so what i found is the more i established relationships as more as i became the guy who could teach their sales team i was getting more and more and more companies wanting to come work with donnie versus come learn sandler training so hence the uh, non-compete yeah yeah for (laughs) sure right um and and it drove my business partner bonkers because he had bought a sandler franchise and we right. were selling the Sandler methodology. Well, sure, I'm still teaching the Sandler methodology when I was part of that franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, but but people were buying me and then getting the Sandler methodology. And so right. when I peeled off to do my own thing, one of the toughest hurdles I had was I knew personal brand was going to be way bigger because I didn't have even a, a company brand at that point. So sure. I knew personal brand was going to be a massive hurdle and nobody knew who the fuck I was. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. in my hometown of Fort Worth, Texas, people knew me, but outside of Fort Worth, Texas, not a soul knew me. So I couldn't get on stages. I, I didn't mm-hmm. even know about podcasts at that point. So here I was with not being able to sell sales training, not be able to have a full business and nobody knows who I am. Now I got to figure out what the hell am yeah. I'm selling.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep.
0: And personal that's brand became
1: the and, mission. And, and, and that's that's obviously a loaded question. I'm not going to go there because that's probably take the entire podcast on how you did figure out how to scale beyond local, the Yelp model, <laughs> right, to use kind of an analogy yeah. where they start somewhere small and they keep you know expanding. And for better or worse, that worked or it didn't, depending on how you look at. Uber is another good example right. of that from a tech yep. standpoint. Um, love to do it. Maybe that's a subsequent chat we have about scale. Just alone because that could be a really that's always the pain in the ass, man. Scale.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'll tell people that because they they don't wrap their head around it. But I I want to define scale, then we get to have another conversation for sure. But
1: yeah, growth
0: is the natural progression of your business, right? So it is you're you're still having the ups and downs, but you see a steady increase of business. Exactly. Scale is when you get to a point that you go from like a million dollar evaluation to a hundred million dollar valuation but you right. don't increase in employees or operational cost it's yep. when you hit that freaking hockey stick moment and most people don't know that because most businesses are in growth stages they're not actually mm-hmm. scaling and I that's think right it's healthy for people to understand it um businesses typically a good distinction. once they get to scale
1: it is a very good distinction and and it, you're absolutely correct. Completely misinterpreted most of the time, where people conflate the two scenarios. They they think one is the same, one or the other is yep. the same thing. You're absolutely correct. Um, so, going to flip a little bit to something interesting because this is uh, you said something very important about your book, and I like this a lot because I talk a lot about family. Um, I have a a podcast I just put up recently. Believe it or not, it was done just on Wisdom, one of these social audio apps. I did with my wife. And we talked about being an entrepreneurial family. I don't know if you have kids or not, but um,
0: no, I don't have kids. I definitely have the wife, but no kids.
1: There you go. But that's that's still a dynamic duo that has to be in. There has to be harmony there, bro. Uh, you you start getting friction. Another big topic I think is really important. How did you cope? How was your did your spouse? know you well enough to know you were going to be an ambitious guy that was going to find a way obviously to survive, but then to be really successful, there had to be commitments made and sacrifices. I take, I take it made.
0: Well, you know, even get completely vulnerable. Um, I didn't tell my wife I was starting a company. Um, (laughs) It's
1: dangerous, uh, bro. Well, I
0: was, I was scared. She was going to believe I could actually make it work. And that scared me more than her telling me I couldn't do it. You know, it was that blind faith in me. And I remember the moment that I told her I'd already left my job and I drove home and that was a long drive home. man. let me tell you, um, it was heavy. And yeah, when I when I told her, um, she cried and then she looked at me and only Hmm. said, make it work. Wow. And
1: talk about pressure, you know,
0: for sure. And I'm going to write the book, uh, the shit that my wife said that changed my world. Um, she's got yeah. so many good moments in my life. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, along the, the first year or two, yeah, people would ask her what I was doing. And she's like, I really don't know. Um, right. I just know that he'll never go back to corporate. <laughs> so yeah. uh, she
1: knew that about you. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. and I talked to Mike McCallowitz, who's the author of profit first once upon a time, and him and I had a great conversation on a podcast and he has mm-hmm. a great analogy for what it's like being married to an entrepreneur. And he said, you know, my wife says being married to an entrepreneur is like being in a car that's going 150 miles an hour down the freaking freeway. Nobody has seatbelts and there's no steering wheel. <laughs> and I'm like, that's great. That's pretty good analogy, right? You know, yeah. cause um, being married to an entrepreneur is a series of chaos, then wins, then complete destruction, back to chaos, back to wins, back to some sort of flat line, but there's no normal left anymore. Totally right. You know, yeah. yeah, uh, because something's always going to explode. And well, a different way to put it, if something's not exploding or breaking, it's because you got complacent.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah, you know, that's right. Because if you're actually doing the things and getting after it, then then things are going to be breaking. Um,
1: yeah, you're, you're totally right. Um, and I'm glad we got on this topic, and I did it for a reason because I wanted to address kind of the current situation. There's going to be more people trying to do their own thing in the next, I don't know, yep. f- three to four years than ever. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of fucking stumbling along the way. There's going to be people that aren't going to look for help before it's too late. Uh, and help only can do so much, as you well know, being, you know, who yep. you are, you can only lead the horse to water so much. And it's just like, look, and then it's the ones that really get me and the ones that I talk to a lot. And I'm no coach, believe me. I just talk to folks because right. I've done it before. So they're constantly kind of pinging me for stuff. And I always have the same group, Donnie. I bet you will identify with this. There's the group that calls me that have these wonderful ideas, but they never they they talk themselves out of doing it by the end of the conversation. And like, Why yeah. the fuck did you do yeah. that? right (laughs) but but now there's going to be the pressure you and i were talking about a minute ago where they're going to have to find a way because there is no option they've done the donnie left the job they've got the white crying and they have to fucking find a way um yeah and i think that's it's just interesting because this is going to be memorialized this podcast will go out people are going to hear it and be like fuck these guys were talking about something that literally is where i am you know what do you do how do you get past those stages yeah. Well,
0: I mean, uh, the a lot of the reason that's the reason I wrote the book. So, if you find yeah. yourself listening to this, go get the book fuck to focus, it'll help. But um, yeah. uh, the the biggest stupidest thing that I did and I bet you did once upon a time is made myself a fucking island. I didn't want people to know how bad it was. Totally. Yeah, you know, so yep. still I still do it at times. You know, right? Yep. I, I, yep. you know, so I wasn't asking for help. I wasn't, you know, seeking out other people. And I wasn't putting myself in situations where I was around other motherfuckers that were doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, probably the most fascinating thing that I did once again, because I think most times being an entrepreneur is you mm-hmm. just stumble into stupid shit that happens to work. Um, yep. But I started a fucking Facebook group because I wanted to be around people that were starting businesses because I didn't have anybody in my life. You know, I didn't have any entrepreneurs. I didn't have any business owners. So I started a Facebook group because I just wanted to be around other people that were doing it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I get some encouragement. Well, that Facebook group became the basis of our entire company. And now we've evolved into private communities and things. But, Mm -hmm. um, man, get around other people that are going through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you found the right people when if you win, they get excited.
1: That's really well said.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, you get around the wrong people if you're losing and they crawl in the fucking hole with you. And what I mean is misery loves company. Yep. And oftentimes when shit's going south, if you look at somebody and say, man, times are tough? I don't know what I'm doing. And then they start telling you about their tough times. <laughs> leave. Get out of that conversation fucking yeah. immediately because they're just going to drag you down in the shithole and be Eeyore for you.
2: That's um, right.
0: You need to find the motherfuckers that when you get around and you start hitting the hard times. They look at you right. and go, all right, well, this sucks. Now what? Yep. What's next? That's Let's right. go. You ain't got time to sit around. Let's get on it. Um, That's exactly because it. Because if you don't, it's going to get hard real quick. Absolutely. Real
1: quick. And as a corollary to that, who do you go to? I mean, obviously, we talked about your, you know our spouses are these anchors for us in a big way. Hugely agree with that. Who else yep. do you have now at the stage of life you're at, Donnie, where you are in life? Who are the mentors? Who are the people that you now start to you look know, to I, as as a yeah a guideline you
0: know uh for the longest time it was my clients and i really thrived off of them but i have recently mm-hmm. ran into a guy named eric rogel fucking good dude and mm. he runs this all men's group and you know i'm gonna catch hell for this statement but sometimes as a dude you mm-hmm. just need to get around a bunch of fucking dudes and because well um i mean my cl- I have one of the most diverse client bases in the world. We've sought out to do that. And it's been amazing that we've done such a great job there. But I, you know, spoke to Eric's group a little while back, and he's got this all-men's group called the Bold Men Project. And mm-hmm. freaking, he asked me to come in and speak to it. And let me tell you, being around just a bunch of dudes, mm-hmm. right? Gross, nasty, just being dudes was right. a cool experience to fucking fully just unleash, not give a flying fuck, say yeah. what you want to say. And, uh, you know, I think it's healthy for us every once in a while, women to go get around a bunch of freaking women and do the freaking conversation, talk like you want, and dudes, go get around dudes. And I think it's healthy that we all come together at some point and get all all yeah. hang out. Right. But uh, as, as a guy, if you're listening to this, if you don't have a group of men that you can just fucking get around and be a dude and do man shit. Yeah. uh, Then you're never going to fully unleash and unravel. Um,
1: Man, thank you for saying that because it, it, no, it's good. You you know, and, and I know it sounds like it's a basic concept, but it's becoming demonized and there's this whole, you know and i'm i'm treading carefully here because i don't feel like getting into the debacles of people misinterpreting both. what we're saying i just but my point is that there's what you're talking about is a basic and fundamental primal need man that we've now started to deny ourselves i'm a victim of some of that too i've isolated myself i tend to get into my own little hermetically sealed shit yep and what you just said is really important no it's really good i mean look i didn't know what you were going to say to that answer the fact that you brought up a very basic kind of again fundamental need so fucking good and forgotten half the time people forget that's really really important
0: yeah for sure and, and to your point man i'm not trying to open up a can of worms when i say no, all this I know. but i know but you know i go back to even my time in the marine corps and at that mm-hmm. moment it was a bunch of dudes and and i mean we had women along for the ride as well but sure. um when we all need those places where we can just be who we are
2: mm-hmm.
0: and right. it's very hard sometimes in society to be just who you are at all times. You have to be mindful of situations and sure. uh, of how you carry yourself. And so, so I think it's healthy. I think it's, healthy. no, it's um, great. And that's really add good. Into that, get out into the fucking wilderness. Yeah, you know, absolutely, get, man. Get out. Yeah and and just do shit that that you don't typically get to do like you take some of these city boys and take them down a river or take them up a mountain or you know and take them out of their element man, yeah man you go back to caveman culture those days and that's a fun time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's cool you're saying that so there was a there was this idea that we had um this is back in 2000 I don't know 3 or 4 man you'll dig it um we were going to come up with this and this is the group of guys that i was associated with back overseas and in, in the shit we were dealing with similar to what you've probably been in, involved with right. and we were talking about building out kind of a, a weekend james bond academy where we could give them event offensive driving tactics and make these guys you know feel like fucking men for the weekend right you know and then let them go back to their pencil pushing jobs that's fine you know no no harm and you know let them have a moment um, we should collaborate on something because um, if you listen to my podcast, my wife and I have a ranch in Maui, so we go out there right. and we spend the time really decompressing, go hiking, rappelling off of cliffs and shit and everything you're talking about, going and swimming yeah. against waves and, and they there. scary, but brings you back to life, brings re- re- invigorates you. You know. And
0: I think you know a lot of us live life too safe. I mean, we totally we're, right. I mean, you're, you're building a business, and you know, there's some you know scary things that happen there. But I think, you know, we we live life by our routines, and mm-hmm. going to some place where you're swimming in a wide open ocean or repelling and all that, you know, mm-hmm. breaks up the mundanity of our zombie-like existence that we yes. tend to find ourselves in, and. You know, those shock to the systems, man, force evolution. And a lot of they us do. need to evolve to a hell of a lot bigger and better versions of ourselves.
1: No doubt about it, man. No doubt. I mean, it's interesting we're talking about this because it's almost it's almost uh, I've got some neurons firing that we'll probably talk about after this podcast sometime because there's shit we could probably do that is really basic, very primal that I don't see offered very much anymore. You know, you got the Rogans and Mark, you know, um, Aubrey Marcuses that are they really subscribe to the whole, you know, kind of, you know, consciousness pursuits and psychedelics. That's not me. Um, I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, Uh, Um, more power to those guys that dig it, but you know, I rather do exactly what we were just saying. I rather adrenaline chase. I think that's cool.
0: Yeah. I I would tell you, I was looking for kind of a men's group to hang out with and be around and I ran into a Mm -hmm. guy and, he seemed like a good dude, former military, but then he started talking about all the mushrooms and psychedelics. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I did that yeah. shit when I was a kid, right? Yeah. You know, younger years. Sure. I need to get back to that world. And, and then, you know, I ran into Eric and Eric's like, yeah, we don't need all that shit. Let's just go fucking get in the world. And I was like, yes, that's my world. That's where I want to be. Yeah. That's my sandbox.
1: Right. Yeah. So That's really cool. No, it's great definitely keen to learn more about eric sounds like he's a good dude sounds like he's got he a really is. good handle on some I'll things that that's great stuff that's good man so what's next man for you where do you go from here i know you know you've obviously got a huge amount and it sounds like the more you do the more ideas you get it would it would appear
0: <laughs> yeah that, that's one dangerous thing about you know building a business is you got to mm-hmm. learn to which which ideas to chase you know uh, probably our most fascinating thing is we have a huge summit. So we have the badass business summit where we teach mm-hmm. business, you know, to all the people trying to build. So that's been a lot of fun. But um, my my craziest and greatest adventure is how we've changed how the world networks. And, you know, we bring all these businesses together to allow them to open doors for each other. And that's been so fun to build just because, you know, building a business, like I said, we can talk about, it. you find yourself on an Island, but you know a mm-hmm. lot of these people are coming out of corporate America and the likes and they've never even held a sales job and now they're going exactly. to start a business and that's right. shit now i going to go sell something and you know they have no idea how hard to learn how to sell and be able to get past your own head trash to, to right. be able to sell something so um, and I think that's probably been the most fascinating thing for me is actually learning to like the dude I see in the mirror because Mm -hmm. as I've built this business, you know, when I got to my worst part, I can tell you, I looked up that morning in the mirror and I couldn't even make eye contact with myself. I'd freaking let myself down so bad. And all I could see was the shit that I hadn't accomplished in life. And I had to get to work on freaking meeting myself and and actually liking the dude, looking back and, you know, enter a freaking badass gal by the name of mandy morris who's a clinical psychologist fuck man she helped me out tremendously because i'd realized i'd been on this planet for you know 41 42 years at that point Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: i was just repeating the same vicious cycles over and over and over again sure so i finally sought out mandy and like all right let's unravel some of this shit and yeah let me tell you sometimes it takes that outside influence to go all right let's go figure out where this shit's coming from and let's fix this shit. And she did. man. Yeah. Beast.
1: That's awesome, Absolutely. dude. So I'll tell you a little story and, and uh, it's, it's good because the, the logical transition I wanted to get into here when I asked a little bit about what's next, you know, certainly in business, you've obviously been successful. Um, I have a bad story. I've shared this on, on other, you know, interviews and whatnot. I'll keep it tight and short. When I sold my last company in 2012, um, I have pictures of it, Donnie, I'll have to show you sometime. And my wife was taking pictures of me while I was hunched over in front of a laptop, fucking unshaven, out of shape. Miserable, miserable, getting to that point where I could sell the company. Just trashed myself, effectively. And the pictures are funny because there's me clicking the refresh button, miserable. And then all of a sudden, I'm like sitting up straight and I'm all excited. And then it's like, Bottle of the champagne in my hand, and it's all this wonderful. And I sold it and literally in in a, in one moment, the bank account went from like this. Oh, let me see the camera, like this to this, <laughs> and I was like, right. holy shit, you know. And it was it was life changing. It was absolutely I wouldn't change it for the world. This is the bad part of the story. That night we had a dinner, and my wife hired or uh, brought the whole team in, and it wasn't a very big team, and. This is a shitty thing to say, but man, I spent the entire dinner lamenting that that dinner was going to change the number of zeros in the bank account. I was no longer going to have that number at the end of that dinner. It was the most ridiculous thought ever. I, I'm ashamed to say it, but i rather say it because it's an interesting... Right. I went through a really weird evolution because that was supposed to be the, the end-all be-all of American Dream and this and that and all that. and 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 you know what, man? It's when shit started with my wife and I, we had struggles when we had yep. things, we had more, too many options, money fucked up shit for me, man, yep. big time. And you know, I'm not, you know, I, I know people listen to this stuff and they hear things like this and they're like, Oh, shut up, man. But really <laughs> it, it did, it did fuck up a lot of things for me. And so I've now joined a, a group somewhere to you that is people that have transitioned from working on the, their businesses to working on themselves to your point and i'm really really interested in that part of it have you had a similar experience that way where you've realized fuck that material chasing just didn't do shit for me in the long run
0: yeah and i didn't even realize it till i got there because i, Neither did I. yeah I, I i for i really had this weird concept of once i get here i can start mm-hmm. living yeah, I, uh, exactly. right exactly or once i get here i get the be somebody, or you know. Now life happens, and right
1: destination you know, concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. And, and, and I, I, you always heard the stories of people when they got there, when they made it, and, and, and the likes. And to your point, you're always yeah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me, it goes back to actually liking the dude in the mirror because Mm -hmm. the mirror doesn't lie and you can't lie to yourself because you've lived the whole damn thing and i i know from my own experience every time i started and i really do this, i really go to the mirror fucking and i try and say the words (laughs) i'm proud of you and if i can't Mm -hmm. utter those words I have to figure out why the fuck or what am I doing in the moment that I'm actually not proud of myself and go, why not? And explore the shit out of that because life for me is more now about gathering the stories I can teach and tell others. It's gathering the fucking experiences that I can take others through with me or come back and teach them what I've learned. And for me, I always lean on, nobody else was ever teaching me this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Now I always gotta right. throw
0: the caveat in there. I'm not sure I would have listened. Had they been <laughs> a here. stubborn ass, <laughs> yep. Yep. but, but I want to try and, and help as many people to take the steps down the path, not make the steps easier, like mm-hmm. get them to walk in that fucking direction,
1: right? Um, and th- exactly
0: that has that, been the, the fun experience for me beyond that world, if you will.
1: Sure, and and it's an evolution, like you said. I think this is where you and I both had that epiphany, and I'm speaking for you. Obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's that. And I've said this before that the destination is the fucking journey, man. It's the, yeah. there is no stopping. There's bus stops along the way or whatever, but it's it's a consistently evolving and changing thing that you you kind of work with for me for example the maui situation um that was life-changing and not just because it's maui and hawaii and all that's great that's beautiful but it was so primitive and it really kind of got me back to the baseline of what do you really need you know what do you really right. really need man you know um health and 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 fulfillment i don't even use the word happiness as much anymore fulfillment's a more robust interesting word for me now it's like now the fucking sports car i could buy That's fun, happiness for a minute. You know, it's almost more Christmas. Christmas Eve is more fun than Christmas morning. Three hours into it, right, Um, right, right. and so yeah, man, I I really like that you are bringing that up because I and and I am curious. Do you have folks that find you seek you out for grappling with that part of their lives, or is it more the earlier stages?
0: I am getting more and more people coming to me for that nowadays. Um, Mm, Interesting. And I think it's because I'm getting more boisterous about it and I've gotten more raw on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hearing more often people saying, I can't believe how authentic and raw, like people tell me when they read the book, they're like, dude, you wrote that book. It's like having a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think because of that, I'm getting more and more people to come and want to be a part of that. And that's, that's fun, but it's also, it's going to be a a little bit of an evolution for me because that's just a whole nother realm.
1: It really is. It's, it's, and it's, I don't know that there's any, I mean, I don't know that any people are truly just more accustomed or adept to this. We're all learning in this one, right? Um, When I'm getting people asking me about these next evolutions of their lives and the minimum, like I've started to streamline my lifestyle. I'm selling things that I otherwise just don't need. What's the point? The fight club mentality, right? The shit you own starts to own you. That's fucking true, man. And, uh, you know, know, people strive to get there and then they're struggling with it.
0: Well, I think when the smartest things, we didn't know we did. That my wife and i did Mm -hmm. was we bought our farm way before you know a year before i launched the companies Mm. um so it sucked that we almost lost them but now we don't need much more um so it's nice to have what we have and not need beyond that because it's allowing us to do a lot more give back opportunities and and have a lot more fun and find more fulfillment with this but it's also um, oh, and I have another point I want to talk about, but it's also more fulfilling mm-hmm. along the way to be able to do the things. But um, Tom Bilyeu had a gentleman on his podcast and I listened to this episode and it was all um, about, oh shit, not adrenaline, but- um,
1: uh, Endorphins crap. or dopamine.
0: Endorphins and dopamine, dopamine, that's it. And it was all about <laughs> dopamine. Yeah. And um, there's a huge new kind of study and philosophy on dopamine that's fascinating. And what they've really discovered is everybody kind of thought dopamine happened at the climax. So when you won the Mm. award or when you achieve something, what they've found is dopamine's actually firing off on the way to the achievement, not when the achievement happens. And so what they've found is the more people can embrace the dopamine dumps, as you're going along, Mm -hmm. you don't have the big dopamine drop off. At the end, and that's what happens when people achieve these goals and dreams that they thought were going to make them something or change who they are, see how they are. Mm -hmm. It's it's the whole idea of embracing the journey, but it's really more about embracing the process of your own personal evolution and celebrating the micro stuff along the way versus focusing on what you're trying to accomplish. And it's a fascinating thing that I'm having fun exploring Because I'm like, all right, so where am I actually not embracing the process? Where am I not actually enjoying the things am I doing? And why not? Because those things that I'm doing that I don't necessarily like doing is what's forcing the evolution. So why am I not embracing that? Right. So it's it's a cool conversation to have with yourself um, to figure out how to stay more in it.
1: That's fa- that's fascinating man because you know and I wonder and, and not you know d- dangerously carefully exploring this esoteric side of it the whole concept of people manifesting right you hear this a lot today that's now shown up in the world and in, in, in like full force man.
0: neuroplasticity has been blown so far out of the fucking water. It's not even funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because what you just said, which I agree with entirely is this whole idea that, you know, this whole visualization concept or put yourself in the position that you want to be in and you'll find your way to it. Right. Or it'll manifest and all that, which I don't, I don't disagree. I think there's elements of that. I think that there's, for example, um, you do martial arts. I think we were talking about that a second ago yep. with, uh, or, box, you man. know, I, I did too when I was younger and, and it's been a little while, but I got into more of the, the true like arts of it, right. Not so much back when I was growing up, but you know, we're somewhere age, MMA wasn't around. Um, right. but I got into like more of the Chinese arts and, and some of the more esoteric Japanese ones. And it was all about visualization. It was about you win the fight in your mind before you go into it. And therefore you're just carrying out the physical incarnation of what you've already achieved. And I think that's really interesting because I think you and I and other folks like us naturally and instinctively do this. It's what's made us get where we are without being taught that. And now we're trying to, well, at least, you know, I've tried to, I try to memorialize it in a way so I can transfer that knowledge. It's hard. I mean, this is why I'm fascinated by folks like yourself that have found a way to memorialize these methods in ways that are consumable.
0: My My struggle with this entire think it, see it, become it, you know, type mm-hmm. mentality is people take it on as the silver bullet.
2: Mm-hmm. They're like, right.
0: If I can just see myself there, that I'm gonna be there, and they forget that there's actually action involved that allows things to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know um, and because for years it came out. I mean, there's even guys that set out put out tapes that were these tapes that were, I'm awesome, I'm great, you're going to be amazing, right. and, and you're supposed to listen to these tapes over and over again, and you become this thing. Mm-hmm. And if you actually study the science of neuroplasticity, they'll tell you that it's not the thoughts that manifest whatever happens, it's the actions towards those thoughts that actually manifest, you know, whatever you're trying to create. So you can think to yourself all day long, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. But if you're just sitting on your ass, you're never gonna be rich, you know, type of thing. Sure. But it's not about just taking a action. It's about forcing yourself to actually evolve and become the person that allows you to complete the action. Because mm-hmm. I had to discover for myself that the person I was at that moment of absolute failure was the person that was never going to be able to get me to where I needed to go. I right. had to force evolution. And the mm-hmm. only way to force evolution was to go get punched in the fucking face over and over again, smile sure. and do it one more freaking time. Um, yeah. And, it, and, you know, Ed Milet's got a fascinating book out right now that I'm actually, you know, I haven't read, but I've I got the gist of it from his interviews that I've seen him on. And it's called the uh, the power of one more. And it's, mm. it's a, you know, he says it in one of his interviews, he goes, successful people aren't doing more than the average person right they're doing what most average people do it they just Mm -hmm. do it one more time you know (laughs) yeah and it's there's a lot of truth in that is we're making one more call we're doing one more outreach we're doing one more rep we're doing one more and that's where you have a whole conversation around you know hard work versus you know you know sure doing the right things but but it really comes down to that the people that find some sort of success are the ones that push past where most people would throw in the towel
1: right yep i mean this is like the the paul goggins kind of approach to things uh yep. she you know he's he's yep. well known for that uh, yep. ever watch him do bench David presses goggins. it's like David Goggins, sorry, yeah, thinking about yeah, a different yeah. Guy. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, same, sure. guy. Yeah, same same guy. Paul who fucks Paul. Yeah, but you, you watch him do bench pressing, man, or like incline presses. There's that famous video where it's it's it keeps going and going. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, I, it it makes you wonder. You know, what makes a guy like that tick? But you know what? This is something that's important. Also, I, you know, I get stuck in these same downward spirals, Donnie, where I'll get into comparative mode with others, and I'll be like, "Fuck, I can't do that." You know, like. Wim Hof, the fucker that can go into the ice, right? Yeah, no. I, I, I'll admit, you know, it's kind of sheepishly. I'll admit, I tried the whole cold shower thing, like short, short stints. Good. Of
0: Me and you can relate on that because I did too. And did it work? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I was like, this shit's cold. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, dude. And I
1: was like, oh fuck. And I tried the breathing tactic. I'm like, I'm just fucking cold and breathing hard, man. I'm not yeah, picking on him. Yeah. He probably has a method. It's probably like. To your point, I brought that up only because I'm like, fuck, should I have done it one more time? You know, should I just <laughs> push through, you know? Uh, but yeah, I find those things I, interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that that's the a real th- answer to your question is yes. Right. But the difference side of that thing is can I get where I want to go without that? <laughs> that's yeah, a good point. <laughs> that, that, that's what I dance yeah. with all the time. I'm like, sure. All right is what I'm doing pushing me in that direction? Do I really need to go that far? And yeah. so, so sometimes for me, I have to turn off the noise of the world Yeah. because um, I know me, I'm a shiny object guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, unintentionally I'll, I'll find like these silver bullet ideas like Wim Hof or, mm-hmm. you know, you read something by David Goggins and all of a sudden you're trying to run a marathon or something stupid. Um, or there's a great book called The Prison of Your Own by um, um, Sean Crane. And mm-hmm. the guy he did four years in prison or seven years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Dude, I got done reading his book and yeah. all of a sudden I'm like working out and i can, I'm like, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. you know. um, so, so I have to oftentimes turn off the noise of the world because I'll find myself doing that thing right. versus going back to – forcing my own evolution by doing the things that i know because i know myself right that allow me to work on me and push myself forward um but i also know in the same token that there's there's things that i could be doing a hell of a lot better that i should probably go try some of these things uh, right so i do them a hell of a lot better
1: no totally man i mean you know to to put a finer point on it we'd all it'd be cool to be a shaolin monk but the commitment right. necessary to get there man where i'm doing backflips on my head just one not one finger
0: fucking handstands and shit yeah, insane <laughs> insane
1: cool shit man and you know right. but look at the commitment look at the sacrifice again no that's the thing my dad you know unfortunately passed now but someone really interesting very good businessman and, you know um he just he had a very basic saying everything's a trade-off you know and that was the thing yeah, is that you know great phrase it really is. And I found it to be, fat and, you know, I use it more and more as I get older. I'm like, fuck, that's what he meant. You know, like I was a young punk kid, didn't know what the fuck I, you know, eh, whatever. Now I'm like, shit, he was wise, man. He had some good ones. It is a trade-off, you know, um, you know, I, I, family you know, life. I, every, you know? Well, yeah. I,
0: I love all that because for me, I finally understood what evolution in myself meant. mmm it's when the things you were told growing up start making fucking sense. <laughs>
1: that's really well said. Yeah.
0: Right. Because yeah. because I I can remember some of the self help books and shit that I read growing up, and I'm like, fuck, yeah. that's what they meant. You know, mm-hmm. and to your dad's credit, that's a brilliant yeah. moment to hear that because he's fucking right. Yeah. You know, Absolutely.
1: Um, and he believed it too, Donnie. That was the cool part. He wasn't lip servicing me. It was that he he was a happy guy. Like generally speaking, he had his he had his demons, but he was he was the optimistic, positive dreamer of my parents. My mom was the more introverted. I take after her a little more. I had to fight that in myself. I love her for all the other things she was. She was a warrior, man. She went over to the Middle East when she was young American American housewife. You know, crazy. I can't believe she did it. Point is, she made it work. My dad was the dreamer that kept himself optimistic because he embraced that concept. And I'm still struggling with it now. I'm like, you know, it, it's it's probably a little bit of greed. Like, no, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. It's like, no, you can't do that. You know, you get older and you realize there's <laughs> a certain amount you give up to, to get what you want. Um, and now the cool part though, where I'm in my life now is um, I'm not crushed if something material doesn't work out. I'm more upset if I miss an experience, man that's the bigger deal that's for me yeah and it's new i'm, cool I'm just figuring it yeah, out yeah. like for I example this
2: about
1: that. it's just a different way to frame it but, you know i think you probably you know and, and like this is a great experience i'm glad i'm, I'm having it i would have i would never have known what i would have missed if we hadn't done this podcast but now that i'm having it, i'm like fuck, this is what i'm talking about this is these are the things these are the times because look just this alone in the last hour we've been talking there's like 19 things i need to go check out that you talked about that I'm going to go and explore. And those will lead to a whole new branch and a timeline that I would never have had. And it's those things that when you start going, ah, imagine the fucking tree of shit you miss, you know? So I like that. I like that. You're uh, you're exploratory, man. That's another thing about this. You're obviously, I hadn't thought about
0: it, but that's, that's that's a really cool way to look at life in general. Mm -hmm. Um, you should write that book. (laughs)
1: i should man (laughs) yeah i should um yeah it's true and it's just i'm just embarking on this now because i was missing experiences in the pursuit of something material that i assume just like you said when i get there i'll be happy and when i get there i'll live oh man such a mistake um sure it's the it's the getting there that is the 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 joy you know and the fun um
0: and i think it's the enjoying the getting there if i add one word in there because that's right. Um, I mean, there, like I said before, there's still times I have to remind myself that this is the thing I should be enjoying at the moment, not dreading the experience, you know, to go mm-hmm. back to your experience side of things. I really like that yeah. idea. Um, yeah. You know, and because, and I'll talk to you a lot of you military guys, we're taught to, to embrace the suck, which is on one hand, okay, let's make no, we got to go through this, but I think sometimes we force the suck because we think that's what we exactly what we should be doing. Sure. And we forget that we're supposed to actually be embracing and enjoying the suck versus creating it. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. Well said. Now, it's interesting, you know, and I I like this because so keep going, hearkening back to you asking in the beginning of this, hey, man, I got to be authentic. You didn't ask it. You just said, hey, I'll get if I can be. I'm like, fuck, yeah, you can be. Here's what's interesting, man. The name of my podcast is a mouthful. It's the introverted iconoclast. It's literally what this is, what people are listening to now. That phrase, which is a mouthful, I picked specifically because it defines me. I was an introverted kid, still an introvert by nature. I found a way to build a persona that has an extroverted way about me so I could get on with life. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd be hiding from my own shadow. Um, But I wanted to be an, an iconoclast in the modern sense of being a change maker. Ruffling feathers, going against the grain, being a renegade—it's a real weird dichotomy, man. You can't exactly be unwilling to piss people off and then make change easily. Right. I like—I find folks like yourself who are unabashed and confident to be inspiring because you guys illustrate the the the, the qualities that are necessary for change making. And if, you, and if you are one of those people that are quieter and a little less, you know, a little less reluctant, less. Apt to being willing to go into conflict if necessary to struggle, right? And so, yeah, I'd like Kinda your take on that. Me.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, and it's really cool. So um, in one of my companies, Success Champion Networking, every Thursday right. at 10, um, I go live and I teach a session. Um, and tomorrow I'm talking about confidence being a myth.
2: Mm. And,
0: interesting. Um, you know, I'm starting off that workshop with a picture of me at seven years old wire rim glasses wrestling fucking Mm -hmm. outfit fucking 40 pounds sopping wet uh in a rental house fucking you know i was the epitome of a country boy that moved to the city hand me down clothes didn't fit in you know um became the class clown type of person to try and find my way to fit in right um but confidence was never a thing I ever had until later in life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it took a sales career to ultimately figure out what confidence is. And,
1: yep.
0: and, I, and I've, oftentimes in my life, people come up to me and say, man, I wish I was as confident as you. And I'm like, man, if you only knew. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. so, so for me to speak a little bit to that, you know, confidence isn't a real thing. And what I mean by that is, it's it's like motivation. Motivation isn't a real thing. And, and the way I'll explain motivation, then I'll come back to confidence. Is uh, well, I'll, I'll ask you this way, Kareem: Have you ever been to the gym on a day you didn't feel like going?
1: Oh, dude, more more times than I can count.
0: How did you feel afterwards?
1: Phenomenal, better than I, better right? on the than the days I wanted to go.
0: Absolutely, every time yep. that's the case. And so everything happens after the action. So when you think about motivation, when you think about confidence, none of those things manifest themselves without the action. So Mm -hmm. if you want to be more confident in anything, you've got to go do the thing. Right. And once you do the thing, you get better at it. You get more competent at it. You actually build your confidence in that thing. Doesn't mean you're confident everywhere. True. It means you're confident in that fucking thing. And so for me, i am very confident in certain arenas yeah but if you ask me to go scuba diving which i've never done in my life i've done snorkeling i ain't gonna be so damn confident
1: right sure (laughs) you
0: do a few times yeah yeah yeah, then then i'd figure it out and i'd get more confident and probably to the side of cocky because i know me but (laughs) you know people get their head wrapped around this idea of they've got to be more confident all around and it's mm-hmm. not about being confident in everything. It's about being confident enough to take the action to learn the things, so you can build your confidence, so you can build your motivation, and understanding that it takes the action to make that happen. And
1: uh, yeah, that that's really cool
0: good.
1: Yeah, no, totally. So funny story. Um, here I am, the the introverted kid. Similar story as you. I was small. You know, I worked out like a man. I had a pull up bar in my room. You know, the the classic tiny kid that wants to get bigger, right? You do and, two
0: pull-ups, you look at your arms thinking you're like, a baby. It's shit. growing, man. Is it bigger? Yeah, exactly,
1: dude. Exactly. It's funny because I remember I had that damn thing there. And uh, you know, it was I think I finally hit puberty and that's probably what really kind of helped it. But at the time I finally saw myself in the mirror. I'm like, fuck, I have lats. Holy shit. You know, and it was like it must be from the pull-ups. And it's like, no, it's right. just, just hormones, kid. But what was cool is as I as I Grew up, and I, you know, never really, I never really wanted to do business, believe it or not, because my dad was in it. And this is for a whole other conversation where I was almost the antithesis of him because I missed him because he was always at work. So I found the business part of his life to be evil. It was what was taking me right. away, even though I loved the fruits of the labor that he was in. I, I Gladly took what he'd give me or get, I'd get from you know typical kid. But I will say, which is interesting, and it's in one of the earlier episodes of my podcast, uh, Donnie. I went and got to be a New York bartender when I was. Pretty young, I was. I was underage even. Be the bartender at the time, dude. Nothing gets you out there in the world scared shitless I, of how to deal with people than a fucking bartending job. I still think it's dude. the best training I've ever had.
0: Oh, say <laughs> I will a hundred percent agree with that. Um, I bartended yeah. for two years. Now, granted, it was Fort Worth, Texas, but I hit the biggest bars in town. <gasps> yeah,
1: there you go, dude. Dude, yeah. when
0: when you got to deal with people at their best and their worst all in the same <laughs> fucking night. <laughs>
1: no doubt about <laughs> you it. you learned yeah.
0: a lot of shit really fucking quick. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, bartending like was the sales, best training. sales training. Oh, yeah. yeah there um, you go. <laughs> um, best communication training. Yeah. I mean. Exactly. Because uh, you want to talk about being able to diffuse a situation. Mm-hmm. Do it when somebody's fucking completely shit hammered illogical out of their exactly. fucking mind and and you've got to talk them off the fucking cliff i mean uh, that's right brilliant training a, just for me the lifestyle so that so. came with it sucked
1: oh man <laughs> it's exactly just, dude nights blended into days for me at some point i was just yeah. like i don't even know you know which way. and it's easy to get sucked into that lifestyle where you stay there forever because it's it's extremely yeah. in, in, alluring the water cash into the night from the tips it's just a hard thing to give up when you're at that age you know it's younger but That's I, it, I man. like. You always I, I'm glad
0: cash in your pockets.
1: Yeah.
0: and way too much access it's, to every drug on the planet.
1: It's it's party time. It's party time, yeah. man. And what's interesting about the bartending thing? Glad you you were also. I, I kind of had a feeling you might have gone down that path at some point too, because <laughs> you can kind of tell the folks that have kind of broken through that matrix a little bit. Right. The part that's tied to the confidence thing that you're talking about, I agree with you entirely with what you said. It's not a thing. It's it's a it's a result of an action that facilitates that 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 feeling or that frame of mind. It's not even a frame of mind. Whatever confidence is, right. Um, but there's another piece of this that's interesting. You're charismatic. People ask me a lot about charisma when they're a little bit more when they get past a little bit of that whole confidence question. I get the classic question, which is, how do you How do you build a persona or how do you kind of gain charisma how do you get that attraction how do you own the room and i'm like man that's a again i'm not a coach so donnie that's a big one for people that feel like that's Ah, that's necessary yeah
0: i've never been asked that um and i've never Mm -hmm. actually thought about it um i think for me a lot of it is about being genuinely curious about people Yep. Um, the authenticity dude, I, again.
2: Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I, I'm fascinated by people's story and journey. And, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I loved about podcasting was hearing people's stories. And I think when you are genuinely curious, now I'm going to add a caveat on this. You also got to be able to carry on a conversation. Correct. So, so if you can't carry on a conversation, there's no charisma that's going to save you. Um, totally correct. So, so, for people that lack that that communication skill,
2: mm-hmm.
0: go find. A, Mark Cuban was one of the most brilliant guys I know about how he found his career. If you have never read his book, um, Mark never took a job to take a job. He took mm. a job to learn a skill set. He didn't know how to sell, so he got a sales job. He didn't know about computers, so he went and got a computer job. Right. So he yeah. took a job to learn a skill set, and I think if you struggle with communicating. Um, which communication really helps with charisma is you need to go find a job that forces you to communicate more on a regular basis. And so for me, it has always been, oh man, I'm really thinking about this. As a kid, I always hung out with the older people.
1: Mm, That's interesting.
0: So I think that plays a lot into, I could always almost put on a show. I could always find Mm -hmm. myself in a way of center of attention But I always could make myself come across a hell of a lot more mature than I was because I could talk to the older people. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is the ability to be able to talk to anyone Mm -hmm. and meet them peer-to-peer equal business stature and not put them someplace higher or lower than you and be genuinely fucking curious in them. Um,
1: That is cool. You'll you'll laugh at this, and I'm I'm. I talked about persona a second ago, which is which is real. I I subscribe to it because look, my kids laugh at me because uh, it's been a while. Lately, it's coming back, but I have my stable of business suits and whatnot, and the, you know I'll get in it for like even if it's for Zoom, you know, or interview with media or something like that based on my work, and the kids will laugh like, oh, dad's in his bat suit again. And that's literally what they call it. Right. It's pretty funny. And we have this big joke going on, you know, dad's either in Bruce Wayne mode or Batman mode, depending on the situation, but it's real, you know, it might be a joke for my kids, but it's true because I do arm myself and I get ready and I get in that mode. I have to believe that Donnie's got one of those scenarios where like, if you go on stage, you get in a yeah. you get into a meditative mindset of some kind. I have to believe it.
0: Well, you know, so a funny story for me, mm-hmm. um, I was not a t-shirt ball cap wearing dude, you know, through my entire corporate career. Mm -hmm. And I was invited to do a keynote down in Florida and they paid me a good chunk of money to come down and be the keynote. And at the event, I'm getting ready to go on stage. Uh, There's like 500 people in the audience and I'm getting ready to go on stage. And the guy who paid me the money to come down, grabs my arm, pulls me aside and says, Hey, I need a favor. I said, okay, Hmm. what's the favor? He goes, don't go full donnie i'm like what <laughs> he goes don't go full donnie i'm afraid you're gonna upstage me oh, and i'm like really i don't even know what the fuck that means but that's the dumbest thing you could have said to me right now yeah now up to that point i was starting to wear blue jeans but i was still in button downs no ball caps i had my hair combed you know gel in it i was still acting kind of the corporate role so sure. as soon as i yanked my arm out of his which i had to physically remove my arm out of his I wow. ran up on stage and I went, "Where the fuck are all my badasses at?" Hell right? yeah. 75% <laughs> of the audience goes fucking bananas, right? Yeah. And the energy was just insane. And I realized in that moment that I had never shown up as myself.
1: That's a fucking great story, dude.
0: Right? So yeah. from that moment on, I realized the world was going to meet the blue-collar kid grew mm. up on a farm. Now runs a farm, I cuss, I fucking wear t-shirts, ball caps. You know, this is who the fuck Mm -hmm. I am. So I don't say I put on a persona. I finally became me.
1: That's really good, man. The rest of my life
0: was the persona.
1: What a relieving scenario. It's relieving because what I was talking about, now I'll, I'll the caveat is this that i actually enjoy and know what that part of me is that i'm pulling out when i do the suit wearing kareem right versus at home yep. hanging out with the kids and dinner table kareem right it's still me but i like you, you what you just said actually i've n- similar situation you just had a minute ago with the whole reframing your thought and i've never thought of it that way that actually that's the authentic version that i'm using because that dude i can't you can't fake that authentic no. version
0: no no impossible and the, the biggest compliment somebody can give me mm-hmm. is they can go, dude, I heard you on a podcast. I heard you on stage. I heard you on a video and now I've met you in person. You're the same yeah. fucking guy. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: I love that, But I will say there is power in putting on the suit, if you will. Like sure. I totally get the bat suit. I totally get, I mean, because there are different versions of you that you need to pull out in different scenarios. Like right. I can't be just a straight smart ass fucking charismatic crazy motherfucker. If we're doing a big ass business transaction, there needs sure. to be a deaf person sitting at that fucking table.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. Yo, yeah, um, and, and you know, case in point, this podcast. You know, when you, you know, when I got to know you a little bit over the course of this time, it's like, look, I'm gonna be free with you and and speak in a way that I would normally speak with someone like yourself who is comfortable with this type of you know interaction. If I'm dealing with a Jordan Peterson, you know, I might have a different demeanor because I'm going to be yeah. somewhat more reserved about how I'm going to convey. It doesn't mean I've altered myself. I've just reframed my my approach. And I think this is very tied to what you do, as it is with sales training. Like, look, know your audience, read your room. You know, like before we started this podcast, you had no idea what we're gonna in, we're in for. Is this going to be some stoical bullshit conversation <laughs> that doesn't get any? Because it could, you know, and. I never know, actually. <laughs> so well, and, you know, and,
0: and to bring up somebody like Jordan Peterson, which I love, that yeah, idea too. is it's not about changing who you are; it's right. about communicating with them how they want to be spoken to. Because right. most times when people are in conversations, they're speaking to people how they want to be spoken to, and when you speak mm-hmm. to people how you want to be spoken to, you're speaking at them and not with them.
1: Totally right. Talking past each other
0: is exactly yeah, absolutely. it. So, if you're sitting across from someone like Jordan Peterson, who's a lot more toned down, a lot more extremely thoughtful about the Mm -hmm. words coming out of his mouth, I can't go in there, fucking high energy Donnie, and have a real conversation with the guy. Sure. You know, I have to fucking slow my rate and my pace down to be able to effectively communicate with him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Who are, who are dream interviews for you, man? I don't know. I mean, I forgive me if I'm mangling what you do with, with your podcast, but no, I suspect I mean, you interview. Um, yeah. Um,
0: well, once upon a time I interviewed, right? So I used, I used to bring on a lot of interviews and what I found okay. for me is I loved hearing the stories, but for me, truthfully, it, it wasn't building the businesses. So I stopped doing the interviews and, and we started bringing in sure. our own internal content, which was a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so i don't really have dream interviews mm-hmm. but i'm always fascinated by people in general mm-hmm. so you know there's guys that i would like to and gals that i'd like to be around like jen sincero i fucking love her books and you know you're a badass making money and those type of things right i love those kind of manifestation you know type books i think they're fun um, you know, the Ed Milad to the world. I liked me. I used to want to meet Andy Frazella, but mm-hmm. his, his shit's gotten too political for me. So I'm not big on his stuff anymore. Um, right. I'd be fascinated to meet Jordan Peterson. I think that'd be a hell of a yeah. conversation. I agree with you. Um, yeah. You know, I'd like to meet Tony Robbins to talk business, not motivational mindset stuff just to talk because I love sure. how he's built his businesses. Um, yeah. and I'm fascinated with those guys, but if, uh, two people all in that i would love to sit down and have a real conversation with first one's richard branson because man
1: that's so cool i bring him up all the time dude that's crazy you said that because i mean not that he's a he's amazing he's amazing guy yeah
0: well you really feel like what you see is what you get yeah you know i mean it's not a show for him
1: that's
0: right it's it's he's just a genuinely good dude. And I love the fact that a guy who's gotten so big, so powerful, done so many things. Mm-hmm. is just a sweet dude. That's you know, very true. A lot of That's these guys true. that you see that are in a limelight, like they want to eat your face off type of personality. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, That's such and an he excellent. seems,
0: seems yeah. like a sweet, genuine guy. And I think it'd be fun to hang out with him. The other one, um, just because I like his intellect is Elon Musk. Um, just because I like how he thinks. Um, Mm -hmm. I watched an interview of one of his top Lieutenant type people. And she said, you know, I used to be the person that cleaned up when Elon all of a sudden pivoted the company, went a different direction. My job was to smooth everything out and get the company online. She goes, Mm -hmm. I now understand my job is to continue to smooth out because as soon as I get it smooth, he's going to pivot. And I just thought, that is the epitome of a real entrepreneur is somebody who's constantly pivoting and changing, evolving, and pushing themselves to the fucking limits. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with his freaking journey and how he's been able to do it because that dude went rock bottom financially and then turned around and built fucking empire. I mean,
1: yeah. I, I read a, there's thousands of biographies on him. Right. And there's one i have to find out what it is. I'll send you an email when I, when I find it. But man, this one was good because it, shows the level of stars aligning for him at the right i'm not suggesting he didn't have the intellect to make it happen don't get me wrong but but as we all know with business it's all about timing and capital and resources and there's just Mm. a lot of factors that go in it no matter how fucking hard you try if it's the wrong time or the wrong product market fit it's just it's doomed and you have to let it die he has had some magical fucking shit happen where he's had the like 11th hour payroll not going to get paid in the next 20 minutes and fucking money rolls in from some random investor, unreal stuff, man. I mean, and legit. I heard, I like heard 20... a, a,
0: a podcast interview he was on one time and, and the, the whole, um, was it the Honda factory or Hyundai factory? Mm-hmm. Fucking multi-billion dollar factory. And he had like $400 million on it and works <laughs> out a fucking deal for a billion dollar factory for 400. I mean, it's, it's just the stupid yeah. shit. But that's the epitome for me of luck meeting opportunity the motherfucker puts yes. himself in the position to get lucky often and that's right
1: it's, it's that's brilliant to watch. that's a that's a fucking quote right there too i'm sure you use it a lot but put yourself in the position to be lucky because i think that's yeah. the thing about that whole sitting there it, it, it harkens back to what we talked about earlier which is sitting there kind of either manifesting or just hoping something's going to work I have a really good friend that works with me and he's, he's a very devout Christian, r- phenomenal guy. Love him dearly. He's like a brother. And he's really, really sharp because he's someone that, and you know, I say this only because there's the types that I've met in whatever religion you they all may be. They pray hoping things are going to change, that God's going to fix everything. That's just the mentality they have. And it's like you're sitting on your fucking couch not trying to make the change happen, which is right. fucking biblical to begin with. And he's big on that. He's like, no, <clears throat> you take the action to facilitate the change. Put yourself in those positions to gain the miracle, or however you want to frame it. In this case, opportunity, or whatever the case may be. So you're right. I think Musk is interesting. You know, especially when he came out, and he's talked about you know being you know a- ailed with um, what's it called um, Asperger syndrome or whatever, yeah. where he kind of came out with that whole thing saying I'm I struggle with this, which to t- a lot of folks had explained a little bit of the way he conveys messages and shares his information it's probably also unbridled him in some ways to just go for it and see what might happen.
0: Well, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, because if you look at Richard Branson, I mean, he's been yeah, ADHD, like ADD and growing up. Yeah. Um, hell, I got diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 44. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it was one of those things, here I am 44 years old. And right. it was an excuse of how I was as a kid, but damn it sure gave me an explanation of how I acted as a fucking yeah. kid. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. But, Uh, I I think a lot of your very successful entrepreneurs and business ladies and men are, you know, have something chemically imbalanced in our asses because (laughs) we do stupid shit beyond where normal people would would even tread or go. Um, So true. I think that's what saves our butt sometimes.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. Well, this has been brilliant, bro. I really appreciate the time. I know we've been going good, almost hour and a half. It feels like it's only been ten minutes. Uh, good conversations <laughs> like conversation. this are good. Okay. Another one of my dad dadisms is good conversations uh, leave you with a tons of ton of tangents you got to you know pick up on somewhere else. So, right? Um, well, man, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed this. I have to come see you in person, man. I think we'd have a blast. Uh, you're not too far sure. off from me. I'm in Houston. You're in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, which is great. I got to see this farm looks it looks like uh now is it a, just quickly is it a working farm is it something to where you have so it, steer it, or, yeah.
0: no no yeah. we have goats so we got dwarf nigerian cool. goats and it's it's really more of a hobby farm for us and it's yeah. our sanctuary yeah I mean, we're we're away same everybody.
1: same for us it's in maui really
0: cool. that's badass dude yeah. that's really cool so, but dude, well, i think we're cool. going to partner up on some things and figure out some cool ideas i think it'll be a lot of fun
1: I agree, man. No, no doubt. This is one of those wonderful uh, happenstance situations that I'm really glad we uh, we managed to connect here.
0: Um, hey, let me do well, one great quick stuff. thing for you, though. Fire away, um, man, please. So, so, yeah. so guys, if you lasted with us this long and you enjoyed the conversation, do Kareem a huge favor and share this episode or share his show out with one person. I can tell you the hardest thing in the world building a podcast is growing your audience, getting more people to hear you. So if you really want to show him the value for the knowledge and the people and the thing conversations he's had, give this episode to one person and share it with them. It's literally like you walked up and gave him a virtual hug. It'll mean a
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Donnie. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I really appreciate you doing that shout out for me. And that that goes for you as well, as far as following what you're up to the book you write, you're writing, or you wrote, and you're, I think you're writing another one. If I heard you correctly, yep. Yep. I'm buying that tonight. Uh, and I'll be reading that. That's on my reading <laughs> list. Top of the heat, man. Uh but man, this has been great. Let's um let's keep in touch and let's do an encore performance when you have the time. I think there's plenty more to talk about here. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it. Awesome, bro. Have a great night, man.